Section 7 of Gifantia by Charles Francois Tipchenia de la Roche. Chapter 5 Voluptus or Pleasure. We came out of the grove. Men, said I to the prefect, are highly indebted to you for preserving love, degenerated as it is. If you did but know what a void there is among them nowadays, their amusements are so few that the least of all must to them be very valuable. Love no longer makes their happiness, but it diverts them at least. What would the Babylonians do if love did not put in motion all those walking statues, which you see so busy about the women? They sigh, they complain, they request, they press, they obtain, they are happy or dupes. It is just the same thing, but time passes, and that is enough for the Babylonians. In the beginning, continued the prefect, nature, ever attentive to the welfare of men, begot voluptus. She was an unadorned native beauty, but full of those charms which characterizes whatever comes out of the hands of the common parent of all beings. Nature gave her a golden cup and said, Go among men, draw pleasure out of my works. Present it without distinction to all mortals, but make them not drunk. Voluptus appeared upon the earth. Men flocked together in crowds. All drank largely of her cup and quenched their thirst. None were intoxicated. Voluptus made herself desired, presented herself seasonably, and was always received with joy. As she offered herself with restriction, she was always cherished and never cloyed. Men, not being invenerated by excess, preserved to a very advanced age, all their organs in vigor, their taste remained, and old age still drank of Voluptus's cup. Nature has a rival, called Art, who incessantly employed in rendering himself useful or agreeable to society, strives to supply what nature cannot or will not do for men. He resumes nature's works, retouches them, sometimes embellishes, often disguises and degrades them. Art failed not to observe the conduct of Voluptus, and to refine whatever she offered to mankind. He could not bear an interval between pleasures, and would have them succeed one another without intermission. He ransacked all the countries of the world, united all the objects of sensuality, and multiplied a thousand ways the pleasures of sense. Men, surrounded with so many alluring objects, thought themselves happy, and in their intoxication said, Without art, nature is nothing. But very soon their senses were cloyed. Satiety bred disgust, and disgust made them indifferent to all kinds of pleasure. Neither art nor nature could affect them to any degree. From that time they have hardly been able to amuse or divert themselves. Voluptus has no longer any charms for them. CHAPTER Six: PERPETUAL YOUTH There is no place, continued the prefect, where these dissipations, supposed to supply the room of pure pleasure, are more necessary than at Babylon, so there is no place where they are more frequent. The Babylonians are known, not made for such thinking, and for good reason. It is not desired they should think. A wise policy is always proposed to keep as many employed as possible, and to amuse the rest. 
for these last it is that the arts of amusement are encouraged that public walks are kept up at a great charge that spectacles of all kinds are exhibited and so many places tolerated where gaming drinking and licentiousness serve for food to these heedless men who without these avocations would not fail to disturb the society these various avocations filled up the moments of life to such a degree that there is no time for recollection and for counting the years that insensibly fly away a man declines decays is bent under the load of years and he has not once thought of it rather let us say there is no old age at babylon for men of this kind a perpetual youth runs through their life the same agitations in the heart the same dullness in the soul and the same void in the mind youths of twenty-five and of sixty march with equal pace to the same end the desires eagernesses sallies excesses are the same all forget themselves still go on and death alone is capable to stop the career of these decrepit youths it is remarkable that one day one of those young old men bethought himself to make reflections when a man said he is come like me to a certain age he does not fully live he dies by degrees and he ought successively to renounce whatever does not suit his state there are things that become nobody which however are contrived at in youth but which make an old man ridiculous what business have i now with this costly furniture these splendid equipages with this table served with so much profusion am i excusable for keeping a mistress whose luxuriousness will not fail to ruin me in the end does it become me to appear still in those places where licentiousness carries inconsiderate youth i will forsake a world for which i am no longer fit and will embrace that peaceful and retired life to which my declining age invites me what shall i retrench from my experiences i will give to my nephew who is coming into the world and should set out with some figure since i am dying by degrees so by degrees he ought to inherit this resolution being taken and well taken a friend of his comes to visit him sees him thoughtful asks the reason and learns his design what says he to him have you not still spirit enough to withstand reason she knocks and is it going to be opened what do you mean reason may be of use to a young man to curb the fury of his passions but must be fatal to an old one in totally extinguishing the little relish he has left for pleasures what a fine sight it will be to see plutarch's morals nicole's essays and pascal's thoughts lodged in thy brain closed by boccacci's novels la fontaine's tales and rousseau's epigrams believe me reason is good only for those who have cultivated it long ago heads made like ours cannot suit it our maxims and reasons are too contradictory and instead of regulating it would throw all into disorder and confusion but replied our new convert dost thou know what thou art doing with thy extraordinary eloquence never was so much reason used to prove that we must act against reason come let us go my dear marquis a free supper awaits us at the 
where the nymph thou knowest will complete my conviction from thence we will go to the ball to-morrow champagne at your cousin the countess's and lansconet at our friend the president's chapter seven the itchings we walk toward the south on this side gephanthia ends in a point and forms a little promontory from which there is a large prospect this promontory is covered all over with the plant these boughs descend and creep every way this is the production of the second kernel the plant never bears either leaves or blossoms or fruit it is formed by an infinite number of very small fibers which branch out from one another view carefully the fibers says the prefect to me dost thou see at their extremity little longish bodies which move so briskly they are small maggots which this plant breeds whether vegetation carried beyond its usual bounds produces them or whether there comes at the extremity of the fibers a sort of corruption by which they are engendered in time these maggots waste away so as to become invisible but withal they get wings and growing flies they disperse themselves over the earth there they stick fast to men and cease not to infest them with the sting given them by nature and as the tarantula with the poison which she leaves in the wound she has made inspires an immoderate desire to leap and dance just so these small insects cause according to their different kinds different itchings such are the itch of talking the itch of writing the itch of knowing the itch of shining the itch of being known with a hundred others hence all the motions men put themselves into all the efforts they make all the passions that stir them the sensation they feel on these occasions is so manifestly such as we are describing that when any one is seen in an uncommon agitation of body or mind it is very usual to say what fly stings what maggot bites though nothing can be seen it is perceived that the cause of so many emotions is a stinging a man often finds it by experience and knows what it is owing to when once men are troubled with these relentless prickings they cannot be quiet he for instance that is stung with the itch of talking is continually discoursing with everybody correcting those that do not need it informing those that know more than himself his visage opens lengthens and shortens at pleasure he laughs with those that laugh weeps with those that weep without sharing the joy of the one or the grief of the other if by chance he gives you room to say anything speak fast and stop not for in an instant he would begin again and take care not to be interrupted never does he lend an ear to any one and even when he seems to hold his tongue he is still muttering to himself he despises nothing so much as those silent animals who hear little and speak still less and he thinks no men more worthy of envy than those who have the talent of drawing a circle of admirers of raising the voice in the midst of them and of saying nothing's incessantly applauded sometimes the itch of talking is turned into the itch of writing which comes to the same thing for writing is talking to the whole world 
then these torrents of words which flow from the mouth change their course and flow from the pen what number of babblers in these silent libraries oh how must those who have ears and run over these immense collections be stunned by what they hear they are like great fairs where each author cries up his wares to the utmost of his power and spares nothing to promote the sale come says an ancient come and learn of me to practice virtue and become happy come and draw from these pure fountains those streams are polluted by the corruption of men come rather to me cries a modern time and observation have opened our eyes we see things and only want to show them to you mind them not says the romancer seek not truth there truth lies in the bottom of democritus's well come therefore to me for amusement and i will help you to it come and read the life and exploits of the duke of the model of the court he never attacked a girl without debauching her he has embroiled above fifty families and thrown whole towns into confusion he must it is plain be one of the most accomplished men of the age i have things to offer you much more interesting than all this says a versifier i have the prettiest odes and finest songs in the world little soft verses nosegays for iris and a complete collection of all the riddles and symbolical letters which for these ten years have puzzled the sagacity of the strongest heads in babylon away with those trifles says a tragic poet and come to me i manage the passions as i please i will force tears from your eyes transport you out of your senses and make your hair stand on end that is very kind indeed says a comic poet but i believe it will be better to come to me who will make you laugh at all others and even at yourselves i pity you all says the man-hater burn me all those books there and mine too and let there be no mention of learning arts sciences and the like wretched things for it is i that tell you as long as you have any reason you shall have neither wisdom nor conduct nor happiness i say nothing of the itch of knowledge which should always precede that of writing and which commonly follows it at a good distance and often never comes at all at babylon the itch of being singular is like an epidemical disease it is pretty well known wherein the babylonians are alike but it would be the work of an age to say wherein they differ every one distinguishes himself by some remarkable stroke hence comes the mode of portraits and the facility of drawing them draw them by fancy you are sure they will meet with a likeness draw them after nature you will never fail of originals there are some for the pulpit for the use of the orators who want grace there are some for the theatre for the use of poets who want genius there are some for writings of all kinds for the use of the authors who want ideas the most troublesome of all the itches produced by these insects is the itch of being known thou canst not conceive what efforts are made by all the men stung with this itch i say all the men for who has not a view to reputation and fame the artisan knows his work the gamester his calculations the poet his images the orator his grand strokes the scholar his discoveries the general his campaigns the minister his schemes 
and even he that sees the nothingness of this chimera still contemplates its charms and sighs after it just so a lover with a troubled heart strives to abandon a faithless mistress from whom he cannot bear to part what designs what efforts of imagination to make oneself talked of how many things tempted and dropped what hopes fears cares and follies of every kind chapter eight compensations what you tell me says i is very extraordinary but i cannot see why the elementary spirits raise and cultivate this plant with such great care they who wish us so much good in this respect do very little to behold men stung to the quick acting like madmen losing their senses for chimeras is a thing in my opinion deserving pity but perhaps it may be an amusement to the elementary spirits like many others replied the prefect thou judgest and seest things but in one view the itches have their inconveniences but that is nothing in comparison of their advantages without the itch of talking and writing would eloquence be known would the sciences have been transmitted and improved from generation to generation would not you be like so many untaught children without ideas without knowledge without principles was it not for the itch of being known who would take the pains to amuse you to instruct you to be useful to you by the most interesting discoveries without the itch of ruling who would busy themselves in unravelling the chaos of the laws in hearing and judging your quarrels in watching for your safety without the itch of shining in what kingdom would policy find a vent for those respectable knick-knacks wherewith she adorns those she is pleased to distinguish and yet this kind of nothings are for the good of the state to be acquired at the price even of blood thanks to our flies there are some mad enough to sacrifice all for their sake and others fool enough to behold them with veneration take away our insects and men stand stupidly ranged by one another like so many statues let our insects fly and these statues receive new life and are busy as bees one sings another dances this reads his verses and falls into an ecstasy that hears him and is tired the chemist at his furnace the speculatist at his study the merchant at sea the astronomer discovers a new satellite the physician a new medicine the soldier a new maneuver in fine the statues are men and all this owing to his plant and our care i beg said i to the prefect we may stand at a distance from this admirable plant i dread more than i can express the neighbourhood of these volatiles i rejoice much to see them authors of so many benefits but i fear still more the uneasiness they create End of section seven.